All right, coming up on this week's edition of Next Year, The Detour. Jimmy and I talk about free agency and the Yankees just signing DJ LeMayhew. We also talk about the Dodgers' plans in free agency coming off their World Series championship. And then we wrap things up at the end, just kind of talking about the state of baseball and getting excited for another season right around the corner. So enjoy this week's edition of Next Year, The Detour. All right, here we go, Jimmy. Let's get it out of the way. The Yankees got their guy, DJ LeMayhew, for six years and $90 million. Give me your thoughts, man. Well, just now I thought you were going to kind of troll me and be like, the Yankees got their guy, Corey Kluber, (laughs) when you're 11. No, I mean, kind of just quick, quick uh, reaction here. Good for DJ, good for the Yankees, I think. Um, you know, it took a little, took a long time, you know, we're in mid January now. I would have expected something like this to be resolved a a long time ago, frankly. Um, but I thought it was a really interesting compromise, right? So DJ gets his like security of six years. This is probably going to be his last contract. Um, I think he turns 33 this season. So at the end of the contract, he'll be, I can't do the math in my head now. I think 39 by the end of the contract. So you got to imagine this is like his last big opportunity to make some money. So he gets his 90 million. Um, and then ironically, the Yankees push for more years, six years on the deal rather than like the four or five that was kind of initially thought, but that actually helps them in the long run because the average annual value now was only at 15 million per year. So it kind of saves them some money under the luxury tax. Um, so yeah, kind of like a safe, smart deal all around. And again, I don't really know why this took so long to kind of be figured out. And I'm not talking about like the numbers, but just like, yeah. hey, DJ gets his 90 million. The Yankees get their average annual value down. And like, I don't know. It seemed like, <laughs> it seemed like this would have this would have been a conversation that would have happened a long time ago, rather rather than you know the past couple of days. Yeah. But I hey, would... happy that DJ's back. Sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, you for you go for it. I was just gonna say happy happy that DJ's back. Um, you know, he's been the best player on our team the past two years. He's been my favorite Yankee, and a guy that just loves being a Yankee. A guy that kind of fits this lineup really well. Fits, I think, what being a Yankee is all about really well. Um, and a guy that just loves being in the Bronx. And I think it kind of suits him too, just with his swing and going the opposite way. Um, and yeah, I, I really you know, I don't really have a problem with the money. I don't have a problem with the years. I, I don't have a problem with DJ at all. Like I think this is going to be a really good and ironically kind of team-friendly contract for the next six years now. Yeah, I was thinking it is one of the more fair deals in free agency as far as especially a, a, you know, a huge market team like the Yankees, their best player. Like they, you know, he gets his bag, he gets $90 million and he's set for life, and his kids are probably set for life, but also they have financial flexibility too. And that's kind of one of the benefits of, I don't know, having him be so much older is really nice. Is, you know, he's not some 26-year-old kid pleading for some $200 million contract. So that, you got him, honestly, at the perfect time. And I'm curious, I kind of want to pivot and ask you, while this is like an awesome signing, and you know, the, the Yankees had to do it because if, if they lost LeMahieu, it's just a bad look for the brand. Like, the Yankees just simply can't let their best player walk. But since the last time we talked, the Mets got debatably the best shortstop in baseball, you know, maybe aside from Corey Seager, maybe Trey Turner. But... <laughs> 
they got Francisco Lindor on the other side of town. So I'm wondering, like, not so much missing out on Lindor, but I, I think that, you know, like, LeMahieu isn't the missing piece, but he is a piece of the puzzle that's, you know, going to bring championship number 28 and maybe more. But I'm kind of curious. And I actually didn't even ask you or talk to you about this one before. But just around the league over the next few years, it seems like, you know, the Yankees need some sort of kind of culture-changing piece, you know, like a, a sign of a new era. And I'm curious, like, who's on your wish list or, like, on your radar at, at all? Well, I would have loved Lindor. Um, and I, you know my thoughts kind of personally or, like, off-air. I would have liked to trade Gleyber Torres for Francisco Lindor. Um, and I thought Lindor was going to be a Yankee even if we didn't trade for him this year. I thought he was going to sign with us in free agency after next offseason. I've thought that for a long time. And I thought he'd be a guy, you know, primarily left-handed, but a switch hitter. Um, his swing would work well at Yankee Stadium. His defense is phenomenal, which would be an upgrade from Gleyber Torres. Um, and just a guy who's kind of proven the past seven years now that he, like you said, is a top shortstop in baseball. I would have loved Lindor. Obviously, that's not going to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. Wish list, if we're really talking, I want JT Real Muto. Yeah. I want a consistent catcher behind the plate who's good defensively and offensively and, again, consistent. (laughs) Gary Sanchez could be the best offensive catcher in baseball, but he could also be the worst offensive catcher in baseball. And I think that's his problem, right, is it's not ever average. It's not ever, like, slightly above average. It's either he's going to hit 30 bombs or he's going to hit 140, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I thought just Real Muto would just be kind of a consistent presence in that lineup, a guy who really could probably hit like two through six on any team Mm -hmm. um, and would fit, again, any any role in that lineup, whatever it is. um, Well, a guy who can hit for contact, a guy who can kind of hit for a little bit of power too, um, a guy who gets on base a good amount as well. You know, you have to kind of pitch around him in tough spots. Um, and then the defense too, uh, you know, kind of speaks for itself. He might be the best defensive catcher in baseball. I don't think that's going to happen either. Um, a guy who I really like, which would kind of be underrated in my opinion, would be Jake Odorizzi. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of like a starting pitcher who's like durable. Um, a guy who doesn't get hurt very often, if at all. And a guy who can kind of eat some innings because Clark Schmidt's on his way. David Garcia's on his way. Um, Luis Severino's going to be kind of climbing his way back from Tom John. Um, Domingo Herman is back from his suspension. There's a lot of young pitchers that are going to be in the Yankees rotation or at least have a shot to be for the next three, four, five years. And I think kind of just a guy who can fill some gaps between now and then, like a Jake Odorizzi, three years, I don't know, 50 million, 45 million. I don't really know what his asking price is. But I think that would be a really good signing for now. Um, Again, no no real rumors to <laughs> Oda Rizzi. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird. I'm just kind of projecting, I think, my ideas of like what I would do if or try to do if I was Brian Cashman, if I was the Yankees GM. Now, that's those are my three big wishes. I'll give you my one kind of like realistic idea. Um, a shortstop or any middle infielder that is really solid defensively. Because Gio Shell is really good at third. DJ LeMay, who's really good at second. Gleyber Torres is awful at short, really, if we're talking defense. Mm. He's kind of a liability. And we've seen the Yankees um, use Tyler Wade as a defensive replacement late in games for him at times or kind of shift the, the defense around to kind of hide him late in games. Yeah. And for a guy who 
is good in his own right in his role, Tyler Wade. Really fast, like good at defense. He's not a good hitter. He's like a 170 career hitter, if I had to guess. And just kind of like a, a decent enough backup middle infielder who can fill, you know, play every sixth game for Glaber and Glaber DHs or whatever, or can play in the eighth and ninth inning defensively. And hey, if we need to, if we go into extras and we need him to have an at bat, like I'm kind of okay with that too. Mm. Um, now I'm kind of going on a tangent, but basically to kind of finish my point, it's like, I don't know who that guy is. Is that like Angelton Simmons who wouldn't want to be a backup anywhere? Um, I don't, you know, again, I don't really know who that guy is, but that would be kind of my wish list. It's just like a more defensive minded backup veteran type of shortstop or middle infielder, maybe even like third baseman who can play short, but I don't really know who that guy is, you know? <laughs> so it's, yeah. it's kind of tough. Maybe like trade for like Elvis Andrews. Like, I don't really know. Oof, nah. um, yeah. <laughs> just any, any sort of help that we can get defensively, I think at short would, would be, would be good, but that's kind of more of a backup role um, and kind of like a role player. So I don't know. I think this lineup's pretty set. Like, you know, you look one through nine, there's really not a hole in the lineup. Um, but defensively has always kind of been the Yankees problem the past couple of years, especially on the pitching staff, but kind of address that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so kind of just like filling out the roster from now, but yeah, yeah is what it is. I, mean, I actually have another question because I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, given I, I personally think that Cohen's going to open his wallet and that Lindor isn't going to reach free agency. And if he does, it's going to be, you know, 13 years from now. So looking forward to the free agent class of 21, I think you're probably looking at just like a one-year kind of gap guy for the 21 season. And I also don't think that Corey Seager is getting to free agency, but if Corey Seager reaches free agency, I think the Yankees should open their wallet and then some. Because you get a left-handed hitting shortstop like that in the Bronx, like I actually don't even want to think about it because I I think that'd be tempting for Seager too. But I think looking at the free agent shortstops for next year, you know who I think would honestly be a superstar in the Bronx? Who do you think? I think Trevor Story. We're always on the same page, man. I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) To me, he's a a fiery guy who I've always – I think I've talked to you about this. I've always really liked the Rockies. And to Mm -hmm. me, like he and Aaron Otto are two guys that have been part of what I think playing-wise has been a really good culture. Because those guys have had years, you know, where they've been competing or they've just been, you know, I want to say a bad word, but I'm just going to avoid it. Like, they've been really bad. <laughs> um, but Trevor Story is a guy that's always played with a chip on his shoulder really hard. And it's not in your face, you know, gritty. It's just playing for the love of the game and, like, playing because it's the right way to play. You know, like, I'd say I'd compare him to, like, a Chase Utley with maybe even a little bit more fire. And I think really good defensively. And the guy mashes in Coors Field. But – Oh no, Coors Field, you can't trust those numbers. But wait, I think the Yankees have a pretty good track record with superstars coming from Coors Field. So exactly. that's what I think, if I'm Cashman, I have my eyes on. And honestly, I think personally, why even wait? I, I would honestly call the GMs, I mean, whoever the GM is in, in Colorado. And I'd say even you know, at the latest July, but that's something I'm honestly surprised hasn't been talked about. Yeah, and to go way back, I totally agree with you on Lindor. I don't think he's going to reach free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's a Met, I, I think, especially with the Cohen era kind of, kind of on the get, getting traction in in Queens now. Mm-hmm. Um, I doubt that you know Cohen's going to trade for him and then not pay him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think Story is kind of like the guy. You know, I, again, like you said, I don't think Corey Seager is going to reach free agency. If he does, I would 
Correa that the Yankees would be in on him. Um, you know, nobody's going to like Correa in the Bronx. Um, no, uh, no, no, move on, move on. Yeah. <laughs> is anybody else – are there any other big names? Is, is Baez going to be a guy that's going to reach free agency yeah, by then? It just doesn't count, you know. Yeah, yeah, Baez isn't – I don't think Baez would be good for the Yankees. Um, I can't think of anybody else who's, like, super high up there. But, yeah, I think Story would be really good. And especially in kind of our, you know, short porch on the right field line, I don't know how much he goes the other way, really. But a, a shortstop who was he, – he, he has, like – Acuna power to the right side. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know I mean, like stop a, with the righties that look like it's a lefty hitting it. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, like a shortstop that has like significant power, like him. You know, it's not like he's going to run into one every once in a while, like William Thomas. I know he <laughs> hit a ball like four eighty one time, but it's like he doesn't have power. You know what I mean? Versus like Story has actual like power tall fields, um, and plays like really solid defense too. Um, he's a guy that I would, yeah, I would love to see, Hey, you know, we'll give you Glaber Torres, you know, <laughs> I'll give you Glaber Torres for like a Lindor type of thing where, or assumedly a Lindor type of thing where, Hey, we'll trade for you for this year. Um, but then we're going to try to extend you, you know, right away. You're really um, flavor. I see. I, I'm not really down on him. I just think that we can up, like you said, we can upgrade from him. Yeah. Especially with next year's class being so strong, because right. Glaber's really not good defensively. I don't trust. You know, it's like when Miguel and Duhar twenty, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which can't really happen at the big league level. And I think his stats were really inflated in twenty nineteen off of what he did against the Orioles. If you look at his non Orioles games, his OPS plus is about like a hundred. Like he's about an average hitter, other than his Orioles games, which uh, the Orioles games count. Which yeah. I, I kind of hate doing that, but. You know, you really look at other games and you look at this year, it's like he really isn't that productive of a hitter outside of the Orioles games of 2019. Um, and the playoffs of 2019, I got to go in that too. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just a guy like Story, I think, would just be another step up. You know, that's, that's, just, another, that's just another, like, you know, plus one on, on the rating, right? Mm-hmm. That's like another – that's a guy who hits fourth every single night for you. Or maybe not with, with Stan. That's a guy who hits fifth every night for you rather than a Glaber who's like – Maybe he could hit second. Maybe he could hit seventh. You know what I mean? Like, just more consistency, I think, is what I'm looking for in some of, like, the iffy positions for the Yankees. And I think Story would be a guy that would be more consistent than, than Glaber has been. Although, again, I really do love Glaber. But just more consistency. I, I want less highs and lows and more just kind of flat lines, if that makes sense. Yeah. Man, I can't tell you how boring this offseason has been in, like, the best way, being a Dodgers fan. Like there, there's some days that like I, I miss the craving of like free agent news, but then I remember like, you know what? I'd much rather just like looking at my lock screen of Clayton Kershaw holding the trophy. And I'm like, you know what? I trust Friedman, whatever he's up to, I'm with. And I think it's, it's crazy right now. Like the trust that Dodger fans have in Andrew Friedman, because I, I think there's a reason Justin Turner hasn't been signed yet. I, I think that he's honestly first looking to upgrade. And, I, and it's weird for me. Because I'm going to be honest, if I had a new younger third baseman or Justin Turner, I actually think I would take a younger third baseman. And that would be in response to what the Padres have done. But it's just weird to th- even think about, especially with the Blue Jays being out on LeMahieu, wondering if a team comes and gives Turner like some ridiculously overpriced contract. Right. And in fact, that was actually going to be my next question to you was like, like you said, the Dodgers haven't really done that much in free agency. I mean, you signed Tommy Canley, you signed Corey Nabel, or trade acquire Corey Nabel. 
but what's like the next move for you guys? Because again, like you, you could go after Justin Turner. You could also try to trade for Nolan Arenado. You know, <laughs> dude, <laughs> so, that's that's there's a big the, gap in between. That's been the one that I'm kind of still just like in the back of my mind, like man. Like, is Friedman just, like, waiting for, like, the right time of day to call those guys and be like, hey, like, he's going to leave. And if you give us that, you can realistically set up your rebuild for whenever his contract is up. Right. It's a win-win. He, he might opt out. He's got an opt-out after this season anyway. Yeah. So I think that's where your leverage comes in where it's like, hey, like, you know, writing's on the wall. You guys aren't going to be good for the next five years. Mm -hmm. Give them to us now. While he won, like, yeah, well, one, like, he's not, you know, 36 yeah. and doesn't have value anymore. But you also might lose him after this year. So it's like you want to trade him earlier rather than, like, at the deadline if the writing's on the wall that he's going to opt out. Yeah. Now, obviously, you and I don't have that information. But if, if I was Nolan Arenado, I would probably opt out after this year as long as he has a decent season. Because if he has a decent season, he could probably match, if not get even more than what's remaining on his contract anyway. Because think about it, especially with Lindor off the market now. And like I said, I don't think that Seager is going to be a free agent too. I'm pretty sure the Dodgers are going to lock up Corey Seager. You're telling me if there's Javi Baez and Carlos Correa that they're going to be more lucrative in free agency than Nolan Arenado? Right. Yeah, right. no, like, like Nolan deserves more than both of those guys, and I think that's without a doubt. Yes. Like that's, that's objective right now. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's weird, man, like just kind of sitting here. Because the funny thing is, like, the Dodgers are baseball's best team until they get eliminated in October, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a weird place to be in because, like, I, I don't want to just stand pat. Because the funny thing is, like, if they just get Justin Turner back, they're the same team they were last year. And, like, that, like sure, you lose Kike and Jock, but really they're, they're two half players. And, like, I love those guys with all of my Dodgers heart. But, like, as a baseball fan, like, it's time for them to, like, try something else, you know? Yeah. And, like, I've been again, for that for, like, any day now. Yeah. <laughs> but, again, like, taking away the World Series. Like, I, I, I know this happened. The Dodgers won the World Series. You can kind of, like, bask in that for a while. Pretend they didn't. Let, let's be theoretical, which, you know, I hate, I hate doing this. But <laughs> let's be theoretical. Say the Dodgers lose to the Braves in five. Yeah. Right? You really haven't done, like, anything that significant this offseason. To like quote improve right now again you already have a really good team so you don't really have to do much but I think if you don't win the world if you don't win the World Series like this has kind of been like hey what are the Dodgers doing this offseason mm -hmm. does that like make sense I, I mean yeah. I know like your judgment might be a little clouded because you've obviously like been in <laughs> you've been in celebratory mode for the past two months I but, guess like, my turn yeah no like yeah just give me like your unbiased like What's, like, your unbiased opinion on the Dodgers offseason right so far? I, I, I guess, to be honest, like, I'm a big believer of the – your job as a general manager is to get your team to the playoffs, and then it's a crapshoot. Because, mm -hmm. to be honest, like, I think Friedman's done his job, and it's just lined up contract and just, I don't know, service time-wise to where this isn't a year that he really needed to put his foot on the gas pedal. Because I, I would think about it this way. If Mookie Betts doesn't sign that extension already, the entire goal of this offseason for the Dodgers would have been getting Mookie Betts to resign, uh, resign, uh, resign. And the Dodgers already did that. So, for one, that's like their big splash that they already made, and they don't have to, like, they, that's one spot in the lineup you don't have to worry about for a decade. 
And then also, if you like looking back in 2017, we had a team that was supposed to win the World Series, and you know they just they lost Game Seven at home, regardless of what we're going to talk about. You know, like we had Yu Darvish on the mound, and you know, regardless of whatever, like Friedman set up the Dodgers to win it all. In 2018, there was a really crappy Dodgers team, and Friedman got his hands on Manny Machado, and you know. I hate that guy more than maybe anybody that's not on the Astros in the world, <laughs> but it worked and it got the Dodgers to the pennant. And in 2019, the Dodgers won 106 games and then Dave Roberts got sentimental and also destiny was on the national side, but Friedman has never assembled a Dodgers team. Like think about this. Friedman has never assembled a roster that didn't win the NL West. And yeah. I think after winning the world series, that guy is just sitting on his hands. Like, you know, like look at the Dodgers, bullpen you know bringing back Blake Trinan getting Corey Knebel like already planning for 2022 with Tommy Canely I think that the Dodgers are looking I don't know because it, it's tough to upgrade and that's what like Friedman's always said is like uh, specifically last year before Sang Mookie is like you're not just looking for moves just to make a move because someone wants a move like when you have a roster as good as ours like you're not going to do something unless it's a massive upgrade so that being said I, I do like kind of work you know I'm swinging back around I think if the Dodgers want to be urgent, the move would be, and let's say they lose game five to the Braves, I think you go out and you try to get Nolan Arenado. But the thing is, too, the Dodgers have this core of guys that's the reason that they have a chance to win the World Series every year for the next five years, and that's Bellinger, Seager, Bueller. Like, you know, just speaking of those guys, if you sign Nolan Arenado, one of Seager or Bellinger, they won't be a Dodger when their service time comes up. Right. I think that's kind of the waiting game right now for Friedman and for fans, which is really nice that we won the World Series because now those decisions don't loom as large in our minds. Because personally for me, and I, you know, I, I think it's, I'm sure it's some recency bias, but if I could have those guys, I would stick with what's in my clubhouse and in my lineup already. Because as, as much as you know, we, we kind of – joke about Cody Bellinger and how kind of sporadic he is like Cody Bellinger is debatably the best defender in baseball you know like looking at guys like Arenado and Mookie Betts like Bellinger is elite wherever he is he's also just I don't know he really runs into baseballs like nothing else and this guy won an MVP two years ago and even in his down years he has been one of the more dangerous hitters in the National League so to me it's tough to think that I don't want Cody Bellinger in Dodger Blue for 10 years and I think wholeheartedly that Walker Bueller is going to be a Dodger for a decade too. And then that leaves, okay, well, what money do we have for Corey Seager? But the Dodgers are a juggernaut financially. Like you play in Los Angeles more, you know, like in times where fans are allowed, more fans are coming to Dodger stadium than ever have before. So I think there's no reason to not, you know, spend the big bucks, but that being said, you have to let guys leave also when it's time, which is, you know, like they're not huge free agents, but you're saving probably, you know, $20 million letting Jock Peterson and Kike Hernandez leave in free agency. You're saving a few bucks letting Pedro Baez walk. And I think it's just tough to think that in a year if Seager leaves in free agency, I think that the Dodgers' next big move would come next offseason, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's just, yeah, it's it's kind of a waiting game to figure out, I don't know, what, what comes next. Because, you know, you just won and you have a great chance to repeat with basically the same core. But I, I honestly think people are going to judge this offseason on how the Padres and Dodgers perform in the NL West. And that's not even talking about the postseason. 
But I think if, you know, the Padres come out and, you know, beat the Dodgers by four or five games in the division, people are going to talk about, oh, the Padres went for it. But if the Dodgers do what they should do and win, you know, 110-plus games and the Padres finish 10 games back of first place, people will applaud Andrew Friedman for being patient and trusting the roster he's already assembled. Yeah. And I think kind of just what you said at the very end there, like, speaks levels to just baseball too is like at the end of the day like the guys have to go out and play and win you know like uh, baseball is very much determined like more so than some other sports by what the gms do because you know you need like a guy who can you know give you you know the minor moves acquiring court enable you know like tommy candy for 2022 like you need moves like that to give you like depth throughout 162 Mm -hmm. games you need, you know, a Mookie Betts trade, even, yeah. you know, for the next 12 years. Like, that's the GM. You know what I mean? Like, none of the players on the Dodgers, like, you know, they don't have any say in that. Like, that's Andrew, Andrew Fleeceman, you yeah. know, going out <laughs> and doing his thing, right? But the, at the end of the day, like, once it's, you know, April 1st, like, the guys have to go out and play and win, you know, 95-plus games. Yeah. And, you know, Dave Roberts has to manage and, you know, have a good formula for 95-plus games, right? Now, with that being said, too, kind of like what you said of of just, like, being patient and, you know, running it back and, like, all of that, it's, like, this is where it's, like, in, like you said, hindsight's going to tell, right? Like, if the Dodgers win the division and it's kind of, like, you know, like the past seven years, eight years, when it's just kind of you run away with it a little bit and, hey, you know, we're the favorites in the National League, then it's, like, oh, yeah, like, the Dodgers didn't need to do anything. Like, you know, what what's the big deal? But if the Padres get close or if, like you said, if the Padres win the division, then hindsight's going to be like, oh, like, you know, the Dodgers, you know, were kind of just sleeping after they won the World Series. You know, they were, you know, too too content with the team that they had the last year to really go out and make moves, you know, because the Padres are, are significantly better this year than hopefully or, or, you know, they look like it going into 2021 than they were in 2020. Now, again, they weren't even close in hindsight to what the Dodgers were in 2020. But I think with Darvish and with Snell and with what other whatever other moves that they have coming, maybe Masahiro Tanaka, you know, maybe maybe they'll sign a Jock Peterson or, or whatever. I think you know the teams around you are getting better. Like your big your biggest competitor in the division is getting better. Yeah. And again, I still think the Dodgers are better, but it's like they could be even better than they are. You know, like the Dodgers won the World Series last year and like. You know, if they were to sign DJ LeMahieu, they'd be even better going into 2021 than they were in 2020, right? Yeah. Or, you know, whoever else, like, I don't know, like, uh, I was gonna, like Trevor Bauer, you know, which yeah. isn't really probably a realistic thing for them. But it's like, if you sign Trevor Bauer, like, you're going to be really good for 21, 22, 23. Now, again, like, after that, you might not have Cody. You might not have Corey Seager, whatever. But I don't know. I think it's just it, – it's – I'm kind of like echoing all of your points, oh, but yeah. it's just an interesting dynamic of like hindsight's 2020 where it's like, if the Dodgers win and everything's easy, then it's like, yeah, we really didn't have to do anything. But if they don't, then it's like, crap. Like, why yeah. were we just kind of sitting on our hands in I, the off season sitting on the world series? I also think, like, I think this would be like my final thought on it. And it's a weird place. I think that Andrew Friedman has finally convinced Dodger fans to be patient because I, I think the thing is, as, as funny as it is, I don't even want to say the Dodgers are all in in 2021 because the Dodgers are just kind of perennially all in. And yeah. I guess my thing is, 
just thinking of this year and this offseason, you know, before opening day and even before, you know, the, the trade deadline, I think I would rather have this Dodgers team for the next five years than try to match whatever moves the Padres made this year. Because who even knows? The, the Dodgers played the Padres 13 times. They beat them nine. They swept them in the postseason. Oh, yeah, and they won the World Series. So, I mean, like, wh- why do we care about what those guys are doing? And to me, that's a window that isn't realistically going to last as long as the Dodgers do. Like, if these both teams just run it for the next four or five years with whatever moves they're going to make, the Dodgers are just better than the Padres because they're the Dodgers. And history repeats itself, man. Like, just you know, like, look at history. So, my thing is I, I think that I am honestly fine hanging out and even, you know, let's say, you know, in the crapshoot of the postseason, the Dodgers don't win at all in 2021 i know that the next three or four years after that they have a great shot to do it again so i I think it's really nice to have basically no pressure but the funny the fun thing i think that honestly is a mistake the padres have made in the way they play the dodgers i think they are the number one reason why the dodgers are not going to be hung over at all because the dodgers get up to play the padres because the padres play the dodgers like it's life or death yeah So it's it's kind of like you know careful what you wish for if you if you want this rivalry like come and get it. Right. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Like careful what you wish for because it's like I don't know. I feel like if the Padres weren't as good or weren't as like annoying when they played the Dodgers, like the Dodgers probably wouldn't be as hungry when they played them. You know, it kind of goes both ways like that. So that's that's interesting. Now, I last thing I, I want to say about the Dodgers too. Or go ahead. I was gonna say I think the Padres. Well, I was gonna say what do you think? Who's going? Okay, maybe let's cut this part out. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. You finish. You finish your point. Okay, okay. okay. I think the Padres. Are... I, had, I had a different. I had like a tangent question. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I think. Okay, the... I'm not gonna talk. Go. Okay, okay. okay. All right, my turn. Yo, All yeah. right. I think that the Padres are one of the main reasons the Dodgers won the World Series this year, because I think every time they played it was a tune-up for October. Yeah. Because the pot, we we talked about this on Twitter all the time. Mm-hmm. Like Padres played the Dodgers, like it's Game Seven of the NLCS every night. You know, <laughs> it's kind of just this like funny like little brother dynamic all the time. It's embarrassing. I would be. But yeah, last. Yeah, <laughs> last thing I wanted to say about the Dodgers. So two Dodgers actually did not reach, um, I guess, like preliminary arbitration agreements. Um, Walker Bueller is the big one, and then Austin Barnes. Do you, as somebody that like follows the team really well, do you kind of make anything of that, or do you anticipate that's going to kind of go away even before arbitration? Andrew Friedman is the best executive in baseball, and I trust everything he's doing. I'm, I'm going to talk about the Barnes one first. For one, I think it's just funny that Austin Barnes is asking for more money because, to be honest, he's lucky to have a job. I, I, I love Austin Barnes, but I honestly <laughs> think a lot of his value comes from just his personal relationship with the pitchers. Which awesome, you know, good for him. That guy is going to be playing on the highlight reels at Dodger Stadium for the rest of time. But mo- moving to Walker Bueller, people freaked out last year when we were going to arbitration with Max Muncie, who came off a year where he hit 35 home runs, a year after he hit 35 home runs. And people were saying, oh, Friedman's cheap. What is he doing? He's going to piss these guys off. In re- reality, they were just buying time because they were making a four-year extension for Max Muncie that paid him, like, what was it, $28 million. I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if the Dodgers are doing something like that with Bueller. And I also wouldn't be surprised if they end up just agreeing before they even have to go to arbitration. 
But to, to me, I, I don't think that Walker Buehler is some sentimental guy that would get upset if the Dodgers don't pay him in his first year of arbitration. Or he was super two last year, I think. But I, I think that, I don't know, Friedman knows what he's doing. And I also think that Walker Buehler is a smart enough guy to understand that it's just a business too. But if you know, he, the Dodgers are saying, we're not going to pay you that 700000 extra dollars that you want this year. But, hey, while we're talking about this, how about a seven-year, eight-year extension right now worth $150 million or something? Yeah, it reminds me a lot. I think um, I want to say it was offseason before 19, maybe it was offseason before 18. And the Yankees reached agreements with all of their arbitration-eligible guys with, except for Luis Severino, or at least it wasn't, like, reported yet. And then, you know, some Yankee fans on Twitter were like, oh, like, you better pay Sevier's money, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then I think the next day or, like, a couple days later, it was like the Yankees and Luis Severino have reached an agreement four years, $40 million. Yes. And so it was like, okay, there you go. Like, they didn't reach an arbitration agreement because we're working on an extension. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not like the sides were, like, apart. It was like they were just, like, kind of buying some time to, like, work on something bigger. So I feel like I, I kind of agree with you. I, I doubt this is, like, uh, you know, again, Friedman's being cheap and doesn't want to pay Walker Bueller like, a couple, you know, 100000 a million or two. I, I think this is probably, like, uh, you know, three, four, five, six-year deal maybe or even seven, like you said, of, like, hey, we're going to work on, like, a long-term contract. We're going to lock you in for a long time. We don't – you know, you're the best postseason pitcher in baseball right now. Yeah. We don't want to give you up for a long time and we want to keep you happy here and, and have you kind of be like comfortable in your contract. You don't have to worry about anything else. So I, I would agree with you on that. I, I doubt that there's going to be any sort of kind of tension between Walker Bueller and the Dodgers. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, that would be the last thing that I would assume that that would happen. But you're yeah. really telling me that Walker Bueller like doesn't know the Dodgers adore him, you know, like this guy is our perennial game one starter for the next lifetime. Um, also, I was going to say, these guys are grown men and they're professionals. Like, look at Jock Peterson got traded and then he didn't. And then the, Dod the Dodgers took him to arbitration and then they beat him too. And then they were like, actually, we'll keep you around. And the guy was whatever during the regular season. But then during the postseason, he was in full Jocktober swing. And he was awesome. He was awesome against the Braves. He was pretty good against the Rays. And the Dodgers won the World Series too. And Jock Peterson was, you know, one of the guys at the, at the center of the dog pile. And I think Dodger fans have already, like, would love that guy forever, even if he didn't get to be a part of it. But that guy, in no way, in the middle of a pennant chase, was he throwing away games because the Dodgers didn't pay him an extra million dollars. Yeah. Like, these guys are professionals. There shouldn't be any bitterness once you actually step on the field. Yes. And I would doubt that at the very least from any, any guy, let alone Walker Bueller, for sure. Yes. All right, man. So should we pivot to kind of like some of our predictions for some of the, the bigger guys? Where are we think yeah, they're going to go? I'd, I'd say we could kind of close it with a – who, who we got still? We got Springer, Bauer, and Real Muto. Anyone else you want to include? Uh, Ozuna is a big one. Okay, okay. And then, yeah, I think that might be kind of it for All like right. the big four, yeah. Who do you want to go first? Uh, let's start in the outfield. Let's start with Springer. Yeah. Um. So I don't really know, like, who his, like, suitors are. But I got to say, I'd be really shocked if, if, if it's not the Mets. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've heard all offseason about Steve Cohen, new owner of the Mets. He's going to kind of splurge. Already did a little bit with Lindor, did a little bit with uh, Trevor May. I mean, James McCann is James McCann. But, I mean, the Mets are making moves. 
and they're heavily linked to Springer. And I wouldn't be surprised to hear, I don't know, four 100, six 125, whatever. Um, and I really don't think they're going to get outbid if, if Springer is really somebody that they want. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to jump on that with you. I, I think he's a, he's a met by the end of the month, honestly. Pretty simple one then. <laughs> also, we don't like the guy, so we don't want to talk about him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to be like, Oh, this guy got to get his money. And like, no, this guy should get like a, get a, a jail free card because he should be in baseball jail, but he's not. Right. He should have to play for free for a year. Exactly. <laughs> Pitcher should know right. what you're thinking every at that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now give me uh, Marcel uh, Marcel Azuna. Who do you who do you got? To me, dude, are you telling me it's not a match made in heaven that he ends up with the Chicago White Sox? You think so? Oh, one hundred percent. Like you're you're telling me with the flair they have going on right now, besides you know Buzz driving from their manager. But <laughs> I think, man, like that guy is a Chicago White Sox man. Like it's just waiting to happen, especially as they go. You know, like those guys could be in the World Series this year. You know, those guys might be the guys to have to watch the Dodgers celebrate in 2021. And I think why not just go for it? Because you're a team that you know you're going to have the DH. For National League team, it's a risky signing. I also just don't want to see him end up with Atlanta. And for some reason, the fact that the Braves already haven't re-signed him tells me that, I don't know, it tells me the market's more open than people would think it is. So I think a, like, hefty two-year deal, you know, something big like, you know, 235, maybe even 240, to the White Sox. Yeah, you know, I, I hadn't thought about that until now. My only concern would be Luis Robert, or not Luis Robert, Elo Jimenez mm-hmm. is already kind of like a liability in left field, and one of those guys is going to have to play in the field. Yeah. They can't both DH. And also, is, is I don't know if you know, is Edwin Encarnacion still on the team or no? Uh, I think they actually had him playing a little first, didn't they? Oh, okay, maybe, maybe so. Well, with Jose Abreu, just won MVP. Shoot. But <laughs> I don't know if he had a one-year deal or what, or what his deal was. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, yeah, that'd be kind of tough. I, I do like your point, though, is like you know you're going to have a DH. Because I think if, if the National League was going to have a DH, the Braves probably would have already signed him by now. Yes. Um, another one I just thought of now, too, was the Twins. If Nelson Cruz isn't coming back, I mean, you got pretty much like a, a very similar guy in Ozuna if you want to sign him. Yeah, I just think um, that's a boring place to play. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like Ozuna's going to have like a couple fun offers. Right. Yeah, I, I, I just think like it would make sense for the Twins. Yeah. They just gave Donaldson kind of a decent contract. Um, maybe even seem like the Blue Jays too, you know? Like uh, a team with money to spend who's kind of been linked to everybody. Yes. Like maybe Ozuna is the guy that they – you know, load up the Brinks truck for, yeah. and they say, "Hey, we're not going to get outbid for for him." Mm-hmm. But that would also kind of be just like a weird, a weird thing. Though a lot of those young guys on the team, and like kind of just <laughs> Marcelo Zuna with like the you know neon yellow sleeve and like the <laughs> the weird facial hair. I don't know. That would I think the, both of those places would make sense to me though. Mm-hmm. Um, just the numbers would be kind of an interesting interesting thing to figure out. I want to go to Rio Muto next because one of these teams is going to be in that conversation. Yankees. <laughs> no. Um, you know, again, kind of, kind of a sleeper. He, the Blue Jays have really had awful production out of the catcher spot the past couple years now. He makes a lot of sense for me. Mm-hmm. And especially with a team with Hunjin Ryu, who just signed. And again, I always forget the young pitcher that they have, but they have a really good prospect that just made his debut this past year. Um, 
that's going to be really good. A guy that throws pretty hard, got a lot of upside. He's still pretty young. Pearson? Um, Pearson. Nate, Nate Pearson? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Real Muto would be, one, uh, a good kind of addition in the middle of that lineup to kind of just solidify things. Mm-hmm. But also, too, again, just his defensive impact. And, you know, again, the Blue Jays have some good young pitchers. They, they could be, again, just a team that's kind of been linked to everybody. Real Muto might be the guy that they kind of splurge on and they say, hey, we're not going to be outbid for. Yeah. Um, so that would make a lot of sense to me, too. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's the one. Because to be honest, dude, that guy, that guy does not want to be a Philly. Like, oh, yeah. He wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have gotten this far in free agency if that wasn't a, like, safe fallback option. Like, I, I think, like, that is his community college, like, stay at home for a year option if that's what he wants to do. Like, this guy does not want to be a Philly man. He looked miserable the last few years. They were terrible. I don't know why in the world you would want to stay there. So I, I think honestly, because I'm sure you saw the reports today that the Phillies have a hundred million dollar offer for him. I think especially after Le- uh, Lemayhew coming off the board, I think he's got to tell his agent like, "Hey, call the Blue Jays and tell them like, let's make something happen." Yeah, yeah. Because because the Blue Jay, like you said, the Blue Jays were super in on Lemayhew, and I I think there was a report today by one of the big reporters too that said like. Now that LeMahieu is off the books, like Bauer, Springer, Rio Muto are like all big in like the Blue Jays front office. Like they are going to work hard for those three guys. Yeah. And I think that's another quick like Blue Jays rant. That's another thing that'll be interesting too is like say Springer comes off the books for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Then like now I think you'll see not just the Blue Jays are like interested in, but it's like the Blue Jays have given an offer to again, like the, the remaining two guys or whatever it is, right? Because it's like I think the less and less that it narrows down, the one, the less now, the less that other teams, you know, the teams that like have the money to spend yeah. are in the mix on the remaining guys. But that it's like now the Blue Jays, it's like, okay, we have been linked to like all these guys. We have to get one. We can't finish second or third on every single guy. Exactly. So that would that would be another kind of idea that'll – or another point to like look forward to the rest of the off season for me, at least. Yeah. All right, man, let's, let's wrap it up with Bauer. This is kind of a, an interesting one. Cause I think you and me have both gotten bored of Bauer. Yeah. Like well, he's, I've been... he's like treating it like he's LeBron James, you know? Yeah. Like this guy's <laughs> the number two starter for a really good team. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the best way to put it. I've been off Bauer for a long time. You know that. Yeah. And to me, he just screams overpay to the Angels. Really? And yeah. And because, you know, the Angels, one, have needed starting pitching for a long time now. They missed out on Cole last year. And again, like I think we talked on, a, on an earlier pod that my idea with the Angels is, hey, don't give $40 million a year to Trevor Bauer. Yeah. Give $15 million a year to three guys, right? Give, give $15 million a year to Oda Rizzi. You know, trade for Sonny Gray, like wh- whatever, you know. Um, but to me, like, it just screams angels and, and it screams like mediocrity, right? Because it seems like the angels always get these type of guys. They pay a ton of money for them and they kind of just turn out to be like, yeah, they might be like above average players, but it doesn't work out to a winning formula. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have Trout, you had like Justin Upton, Otani, Rendon, Pujols, like oh, even like David Fletcher. Yeah, <laughs> even like David Fletcher, like you have like the pieces, but it never like works out to a puzzle, if that makes yeah. sense. You know, you have like the car parts, but you don't have like a mechanic to like put it together. Yeah. Right. 
And to me, Trevor Bauer is just like a very typical like Angels guy, a guy who's from Southern California, a guy who went to UCLA, like kind of like the same stuff that we went through with Garrett Cole last year. Um, I think to me, the Angels are not going to miss out on a starting pitcher like this two off seasons in a row. Mm -hmm. Not that Trevor Bauer is Garrett Cole, but to me, I I think it's the same idea, the same sentiments. And and I think there's less of a market for Bauer than there was for Cole. Yeah. Um, So I I think the angels are going to overpay for Trevor Bauer and it's not going to work out to, to very much playoff wins are very much different than it has been the past couple of years. Yeah. So for me, like, I I honestly feel like, such a wuss for like actually clicking on it but i'm sure you saw that he posted like a free agency update vlog i didn't watch though yeah i, I watched it and honestly i felt so <laughs> stupid for doing it but after watching it i've actually changed my mind because early in free agency i was like overpaid the angels easily but in it he talked about what he's looking for with the teams talking to him he said one he wants to go to a team that has a chance to win a world series and two he wants to have fun at work and after hearing him talk about that and like going over his points that to me, that took the angels out. Yeah. And I honestly like felt like that's what he was like trying to like subliminally tell us. <laughs> so, neither of those things are the angels. Yes. I'm trying to think fun and a team that has a chance to win. To me, I think Cohen opens his wallet and brings Trevor Bauer to New York. Okay. That would be some rotation, right? You got DeGrom, Bauer, Syndergaard, uh, Carrasco. Even Matt. Stroman, Matt. Yeah, that's like – that's kind of a squad. That would be pretty good. Like that's a team that could go from like a non-playoff contender to a world champion, honestly. Yeah. And like you said, too, he could be the number two in that rotation. Maybe even the three on, on some days. Yep. You know? Like he doesn't have to be the number one guy. He doesn't have to carry all the weight. And honestly, I think although he wouldn't admit it, I think that would take a lot of pressure off. Yeah, dude, that would be that would actually that's kind of scary to think about. And if this makes sense too, if the team is bad, it's not his fault. Yeah, like if you Francisco Lindor, that's who people are going to be putting this on. They're going to put it on Pete Alonso or Steve Cohen. If they get Trevor Bauer, like I think people will just like honestly kind of forget about that a year into it. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, dude. That's kind of scary too. That could be a team that might maybe could compete for a pennant too. To be honest, I, I think it's fun, man. Like, like I think I, like, I don't want the Padres to ever win a postseason game. I don't want the Padres to ever win a regular season game. They, they have no place in our story. They don't belong here. They come from nothing. They're nothing to me. I love the Giants, man. Like, I love good baseball history. I love the Dodgers and Giants rivalry. I think when the Giants and the Dodgers are good, baseball is better. I think when the Yankees are good, baseball is better. I think when the Red Sox and Yankees are good, baseball is better. When teams like the Braves and the Mets are good, I think that's fun. Like, I don't want my team to win the World Series every year because that wouldn't teach me anything. And I think, honestly, like, as much as I want to be selfish and win all the time, like, I think going through losses with your team honestly teaches you more about life and about the seasons of life than anything. So I have no problem with the Mets being a pennant contender. And because of that, I honestly kind of want to see Bauer go because that adds another maybe powerhouse to the NL. And if we're seeing the – Mets, Braves, Dodgers, and Padres, that means there's three teams that could win the pennant that aren't the Padres, and I want that to happen. Like, I, I <laughs> the odds, the odds are better. Like, I, I hate yeah. – like, I, I need the teams that deserve a place in baseball history to be in the World Series, and I think the Mets are a team – like, you know, like New York is the Yankee city. I, I think that 
you know, the Mets being the team, you know, the, the replacement for the Dodgers and the Giants. I think that's a cool footnote in baseball history. And I think the Mets have, I don't know, kind of a romantic attraction to them when you talk about, you know, the, the little guy in baseball. So a chance to see a Subway Series, World Series again, too. Like, I, I think, like, Trevor, make it happen. Like, let's see the Mets be one of the National League's best teams the next few years. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that puffs me up, man. That's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the outlook of baseball. Yeah like isn't so good but like hearing what you just said like i don't know that kind of like fires me up like that is yeah. like man like baseball's beautiful like exactly, and, and the future i mean as pessimistic as you and i are because we know like the ins and outs I, i'd like to think of baseball like it's still kind of the same game and like the problems are going to get worked out and it's going to be okay yeah and you know in nine months now when we're in mid-october like it's going to be the same feeling that we had last October exactly, and the same feeling we had the October before, you know what I mean? Like everything, everything is going to work itself out. Like these guys are going to sign somewhere for a lot of money, going to be impact players on hopefully big time teams and baseball is going to be fun, you yes. know? And it seems like every off season we talk about this stuff and especially when it's slow, like now it's like, man, you know, it's mid, it's mid January and DJ LeMay, finally signs like, Oh, yeah. like, you know, the market's slow or like what, whatever it's like these guys are going to sign eventually and they're going to be huge pieces on again hopefully huge teams and come mid-october come mid-may it's not even going to matter that it was slow it's yeah. not going to matter that rob mansfred's taking his time with the dh rule you know none of this stuff is going to matter and, and it's going to be an awesome season like it always is you know COVID or not like it's going to be a fun baseball season and as much as like the strike is looming and like the new cba is going to be tough to figure out like all that this season's going to be a lot of fun like it always is, and all the problems are going to be worked out eventually. Think about it, man. Like, like there's, there's no shortage of plot lines in baseball this year. Like, like, do the Dodgers conquer their home demons and win the World Series at Dodgers Stadium? Do the Yankees finally get back to the World Series and, you know, Joe, Joe Buck quote, you know, bring baseball back to the Bronx? Like, do the Miracle Mets make a reappearance in 2021? Like, do the Padres ruin everybody's lives? What are the Astros doing? <laughs> is there still a villain alive in the American League? Like, man, baseball's, I think, in a really good spot. And I, and I think, too, like, I think the last thing I'd say, like, if you, if you can't find some joy, besides, like, I, I'll put it this way. The only World Series winner in my life that I wasn't happy for was the Astros because F those guys. Like, F them as human beings sometimes. You know, for the most part, baseball yeah. players – but like even when the Dodgers lost the World Series in 2018, seeing guys live out their dreams, like that's cool. But the Nationals sent the Dodgers home. Seeing Max Scherzer and Daniel Hudson, you know, some castaway, you know, nobody reliever, like get the last out of the World Series. Like, like if those things don't just make you look forward to the day that like your guys might have that moment in the sun, or even just I think it teaches a lot for you just to simply be happy for someone else getting everything they've ever strived for. Like I, I, I'm personally, I'm excited to see Freddie Freeman get his ring in the next few years, preferably a year where Acuna isn't active for some reason. But <laughs> man, like if, if you don't want to see Aaron judge hoist, hoist a trophy in the Bronx, like you must be a Red Sox fan and that's fine. But what about, what's your excuse if you're a fan of the other 28 teams? Like I, I think just baseball just needs to be a little like nicer too. And I think, you know, like that's kind of a testament to the world in general. But I, I just think baseball is so fun right now. If you're angry about anything, like, get over it and let the kids play. Yeah, man. Well, I'll tell you what, what I want to see. Who was the last, the last World Series winner to celebrate on their home field? The Red was Sox. it the 2013 Red Sox? Yep, it hadn't happened at Fenway Park 
for 95 years. Exactly, dude. And it's like, like think of like that call and that history of like celebrating at Fenway. That hasn't happened in eight years now. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, hopefully like we can have like a decently normal season and have like a normal playoffs. Yep. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully the home team wins the World Series at their home ballpark. Honestly, that's, we that's great, that's baseball great, needs that moment. That's a great wish for this year. I hope the home team wins the World Series. Yeah. Because I, I like can't that. believe we had that in eight years. And, you know, before that, there was the Cardinals. And then before that, the was Philly, the Yankees? The Phillies and, oh, yeah the, yeah, the Yankees. Well, who won in 2010? No, the Giants won in 2010 at home, I, I think, think, right? Asterisk. Yeah. <laughs> Sanchez is on that team. <laughs> we'll have to tell that story sometime. Yeah. Um, any last words, man? No, I think we hit on the head. Uh, I'm going to run through a brick wall right now. Heck yeah, man. Uh, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to refresh my Twitter and see that the Dodgers got no one Arenado. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, any, uh, you, know, you want to tell them your ads or anything? Sure. Well, yeah. At Jimmy Friary, uh, my last name, F R I E R Y. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere, anywhere like that. All right, right on. You can find me at jacob.norling on instagram at jacob norling on twitter we'll talk to you next week or at least within the next 10 days hopefully get some more signings and some more news about baseball season maybe coming into a full season you know hopefully going to spring training maybe even you know i think it'd be like a month to the day jimmy so that's pretty exciting and we'll be here to talk about it all season long so for jimmy friary i am jacob norling this week on next year the detour saying so long and we'll talk to you next time Talking to me